For those of us who practice the faith, which is part of what we are doing here, it can seem as though there is a wide swath of people in this land who are currently adrift, culturally adrift in some way, and for whom church, if they think about it at all, is about judgmentalism or hypocrisy or shoulds and oughts or demands that we give in pursuit of institutional goals and needs, and very little of the grace that is promised in the gospel. They don't see it or hear it. And with those kind of assumptions or maybe prejudices, no wonder so many people wind up considering themselves spiritual but not religious and seeking meaning in personal growth movements or fitness regimes or yoga or whatever it is. Nothing wrong with those things, and at least they wind up feeling good. But as you might assume, and as will become apparent, I'm no means down on church, but there is a sense in which uh, we're living in an age in which many feel themselves uh, exiled from religious meaning. Or perhaps it is religion itself that is being exiled by popular culture. This is especially true when we think about the atrocities that we've had to think about in the past week that are committed in the name of God. But a recent article in the Huffington Post by Bill Moyers reminds us about our own history, our own violent instincts, often blessed in some way by religion. He told about a man called Jesse Washington in 1905 outside of Waco, Texas, a young city who was dragged from a courtroom where he'd been found guilty of murder charges without any evidence. He'd been uh, hung from a tree, lynched, and they set a bonfire underneath him and raised him up and down. And Bill Moyers had seen this photograph and was reminded of it by the YouTube images that he'd seen this week from uh, ISIS. And he was reminded that this is not fundamentally about Arabs. It's not fundamentally about Muslims. It's, it's fundamentally about violent atrocity, particularly when, when done in the name of God. And our own instincts, uh, the 30 Years' War, someone reminded me, was a violent, dreadful, all kinds of atrocities with Christians on Christians. What, what we're reminded about, in a sense, is ourselves looking at our own tendencies and instincts toward violence, our own, if you like, practice of self-examination by which we seek to live more fully into the promise of the gospel. The Isaiah of today's reading is speaking to a people who have been taken into exile, a people who are far from home, a people who yearn for that call to home that we heard sung a while ago. It's What happened was, when a country was defeated, the leading families, uh, leaders of the nations, the priests, the prophets, the the people in power, were taken physically to the the majority land who had defeated them and expected to live and expected essentially to assimilate over time, to intermarry, to take on the gods of their new land, to begin to live by the rhythms of their new land. It was a way of destroying a conquered people. Well, we know how uh, the people of Israel have learned to keep their culture and practice in any variety of strange lands over the centuries. I live in the area around Temple Beth Jacob, an an Orthodox synagogue up near Toko Hills, and and I'm the stranger when I'm walking the dog on the Sabbath. 
Uh, I'm clearly different uh, from all those walking around me. But just as modern rabbis worry about syncretism and even even leaders in the liberal reform movement are concerned about the numbers of people who are marrying outside the faith, so it was in Babylon. People were starting to forget, starting to assimilate. And the prophet is calling Israel, calling those who are exiled back to their roots, back to their identity. He's calling them to look for depth and meaning and life itself in the practices of their own tradition. And first he reminds them in the great sweep of human history and in relation to Yahweh, they are like grasshoppers, hardly significant in the light of God. It's Yahweh who stretches out the heavens and makes a place for people to dwell. It's Yahweh who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. You might grow weary or faint, he says, but Yahweh faints not nor grows weary. Come back to your roots. Recognize that, yes, even youths will faint and be weary. It is wearying being countercultural. It is wearying being different. And yet those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. And they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The promise is the promise of life through the practice and remembering of the story of the tradition, through remembering that it was God who brought them out of bondage in Egypt and brings them out of bondage even now. For those who stay the course and for those who plumb the depths and for those who find strength where there's hardly any strength to be found, for those who discover again that it is grace alone that is the source of all life and that God is trustworthy even in the face of the most terrible, disgusting atrocities, even in exile, even in times of economic challenge, or even in times of economic recovery as well. Stay the course, he begs. Your faith, the practice of your faith, will make you whole. Brothers and sisters, the appeal of practicing our faith, of staying the course, even when it is so easy to let sloth overtake our good habits, you know, the appeal is not to shoulds and oughts, not to grim determination, not to grumpy disapprobation toward those who appear to be having a good time assimilating and even a good life perhaps without practicing any discernible discipline. No, the appeal of practicing our faith, even when we might be weary of it, is life itself. It's the promise. It's what we have, that of which we have tasted the first fruits, the deep life. The spiritual life is one filled with meaning and purpose, with joy and with courage, with adventure, even when our circumstances are terrible. And as we grow in faith, so we become increasingly adept at responding to challenge in all its forms. And yes, we will frequently find ourselves humbled before the throne of grace and reminded again and again that we are not God. God is the one who laid the foundations of the earth, and we are, in some respects, like grasshoppers. But as we turn, and as we remember, so we are remembered. So we are put back together. The words of the prophet, as we remember, like him, the psalmist from today's appointed psalm, who reminds us that it is God who covers the heavens with clouds and prepares rain for the earth and makes grass grow on the hills, his delight is not in the strength of the horse, 
nor is pleasure in the speed of a runner. But the Lord (coughs) takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Come back to your roots. Come back to the practice, and you will find that God is faithful, is the message of the prophet to the people in exile. Friends, we have the Lenten season on our near horizon. We know that we live in a world in which faith is widely rejected by many in our families and our friends. There was an article in the New York Times yesterday by a Roman Catholic woman who wrote of how she's the only one of 25 cousins who still practices her faith. Could Lent be the time when we bear witness, not to shoulds and oughts, not to atrocities in the name of God, but to the deep joy that is engendered in us as we follow the godly counsels that they are called of prayer and fasting and almsgiving and reading and meditating on Holy Scripture and self-examination and repentance where necessary as we look to ourselves, our own intuitions to violence perhaps. And we do it in ways that make us live such that we draw others to want to share in the deep tradition of which we are the stewards. It's not too soon to be thinking about a season of particular attention to aspects of practicing our faith, that we too, along with those ancients in their exile, may know and claim the promise, because the Lord will renew your strength. Practice the faith, and you shall mount up with wings like eagles. Remember what really matters, and you will run and not be weary. Take risks for God, and you will walk and not be faint. Let us respond to the gospel as ever, in silence and in prayer.